0: When you start a new project, typically you need things like a domain name, hosting, things like that. When I choose hosting, I pick mine for the options it gives. I like to know what I'm getting and set things up just how I like them. This is why for your projects, you should check out Linode. Linode servers feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabyte network, and Intel E5 processors. That's all the power you need to run VMs under full control or Docker containers. Who doesn't love that? Encrypted disks and VPNs. Plus, they have 10 data centers across the world and add-ons like backups, node balancer, and longview to help you control your server costs. They also offer block storage for your static files, and you can get started with a $20 credit if you use the code JavaScriptJabber2018. That credit is good for four months on their one gigabyte server. That's a lot of time to try them out and see if they're the right fit for you. That code, again, is JavaScriptJabber2018. Also, if you're interested in working for Linode, they're hiring. Head to linode.com slash careers to see their available positions. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Shai Resnick. Hello. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a
1: special guest, and that is... but ahead, Shai. Yuri Strumpf-Lunach. Exactly. Very good. Nice. Hi,
0: everyone. Yeah, my Italian accent's decent, my German accent, not so much.
1: So, uh, Do you want to introduce yourself real quick, Yuri? Yeah, sure. So as Shai said, my name is Juri Strumfloner. Uh, I'm from South Roll, which is a very small region here in Italy, the very north. I work as a software developer. I did a lot of full-stack development, so basically JavaScript on the front end, Angular JS, and on the back end, most C Sharp, Java, that kind of stuff, And but most recently I'm I'm more in the front end. I'm more doing Angular development, and I also work as a freelance consultant and trainer. I'm doing workshops in house at some companies, and I publish training courses on ICAD. Awesome! How many languages do you speak? Actually, German, which is my native, and Italian and English, but that's pretty much it. Now in JavaScript and also in <laughs>
0: JavaScript. <laughs> <Ivescript.
2: Yeah. laughs> right, right, right. Awesome.
0: Well, um, yeah, we brought you on to talk about. I think it was a talk you gave at NGBE, talking about creating and publishing Angular, Angular libs
1: libraries. Yeah, exactly. At NGBE, it was the first one, and then I gave a second version of it, basically an improved version of it, or from a different kind of perspective at NG Vikings. Nice. So, when we talk about Angular libraries, just to kind of get the ball
0: rolling here. Um, I think people have this idea of plugins, and I don't think it's quite the same thing. When, when you talk about Angular libraries, what exactly are you talking about, and how does it connect with Angular?
1: Well, Angular libraries is basically just a way for like extracting a piece of functionality, something you would like to redistribute. Like, For instance, I gave this very simple example of a tabs component or something like that which you want to like create and then redistribute across different kinds of applications so for code sharing basically or also for sharing on open source so it's it's more like yeah you could define it like a plugin but not really something that plugs in dynamically but something you add statically and then you take it into your application
0: nice so we're talking about maybe a collection of components or services or things like that
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Usually you group uh, functionality in Angular within Angular, li- Angular modules. And so your library usually has one or could also potentially have multiple Angular modules, which you then offer within an NPM package, which you can then take in and then use within your application. Yeah. So it's just for, oh,
2: <laughs> we talked about it before, so that's why I'm laughing. But is, is it just for open source libraries or other use cases as well? Hint,
1: hint. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could, be, uh, it, it could be for different use cases, so not just for open source. Like open source is for sure the main use case probably, but you could also just create libraries for sharing it within your own organization internally. Like there are ways for, for instance, for setting up an internal NPM repository. For instance, for instance Nexus, I guess, is one, one way for doing that. And then you could publish it on there, and then different kinds of products you use within your organization can then use those libraries so it's it's it really depends on the actual use case which you are which you're seeking awesome so yeah
2: go ahead it it seems to me though
0: that you should be able to just write a javascript file that you know has an export in it and then boom you just pull it in right npm install when i want it is, is there more to it than that
1: yeah for Angular I'd say yes. Yeah definitely because you need, you need to bribe Mishko. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not that easy. No it's mainly because like components have external HTML templates which they need to pull in and then you have for instance external uh, styling files which could then be written not in CSS but in Sass so you have different kind of also compilation steps and then also Basically, when you distribute your library, you should respect different kind of formats, which is are those so-called Angular package format, because those are already made in a certain way or the spec basically is written in a certain way such that it works with the tooling which is currently used in those Angular ecosystems. And so that that's basically why you have to do, follow certain kind of steps, certain kind of series of steps to, to build your libraries.
2: Wait, wait. So can you give a few examples to the like tooling that or stuff that needs the the different module types so because you, mostly most of the you know people work with uh, webpack let's say mm-hmm. so you know it works with right um just one module type right i think yep not not esm there is five like the esm5 esm5 modules yeah. i think we get loaded by by Webpack, so yeah. What, Webpack is why would you need? The,
1: what are the other types, and why would we need them? Well, for instance, um, take the maybe silly example of Blanker, For instance, like if you want to share some code online, which is actually really useful, because for instance, on, on your documentation pages, or if you want to like send some reproduction use cases on GitHub repos, like Blanker, Blanker is a very good way for creating a small Angular app which runs directly in the browser. So it's not even compiled. It transpiles the TypeScript and everything in, in the browser. And so there, for instance, you would consume UMD modules. Like you don't have a, something like ECMAScript, which gets loaded, at least not until now. But you use UMD, which is consumed by SystemJS, and then you pull in those kind of package format. But not only PlanCore, for instance. Also, if you have server-side rendering, like if you have... Uh, a project which gets pre-rendered on the server side, which is in the Angular world known under the Universal project, there basically Node.js would consume your library. Uh, Node.js on the other side, again, would consume the UMD format, as far as I know. So Node is also UMD as well as the system.js? I think so. Like, yeah, as far as I know, the last time I checked, it consumes uh, the package format, which is pointed in your package.json by the main entry point, mm-hmm. so the main part and that usually points to umd. Okay. But I think that will change over time. Like once the modules get more and more supported, that might change and you might straight go to, to the TypeScript modules rather than UMD packages. And what, what about tree shaking? Yeah, that's an important part actually, mm-hmm. because you want to tree shake out everything which is not used in your library. And that's also one of the reasons, basically, the team, the Angular team, created that uh, APF for Angular Package Format specification, because in there they had one goal, or they followed one goal, which was actually to to allow those applications or those libraries which you pull in to be as good as possible for tree shaking, so be as optimal for tree shaking as possible.
2: But, uh, let's just give a context about tree shaking just for people who, who don't know about it, just like removing unused code. Uh, if you're like taking, I don't know, a library and you just need like Lodash and you just need one uh, one function out of all of it, uh, it, it will just uh, remove all the rest of Lodash and will just take the necessary code that you're actually using. So that is that is tree shaking. And the format that you're talking about is... Um, an optimized version of a model for this kind of test, this kind of tree shaking, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, they basically, like, you always start with ESM, so with ECMAScript modules, because that's the, the only way, like, tools can hook on and then do tree shaking or find that those, follow those paths with which tools and which classes, which files you include actually. And then the team came up with that format called FASM, which is nothing else than flat ECMAScript modules, where they basically pull in all the single ECMAScript modules into one file, which is a flat file, which has all the import statements at the very top and then the export statements towards the bottom. And so tree shaking can is, is more optimal on those files and also the build time overall, because the tools don't have to follow all the single ESM files, which you may include, but it's just that one entry point basically, which can be used. For the compilation process however like one important part there is uh, for sure which is also highlighted in that angular package format is that how you organize your libraries because like tree shaking is something the tools take out for you like they eliminate that code which you don't use but on the other side in angular if you're an angular developer you for sure know that you create those angular modules which like reference all the services and components and directives and pipes and whatever you use. And so, there it's really important to not create like one single Angular module for the whole package because then you basically eliminate the tree shaking again. So, you lose that benefit because it's actually referenced. So, it's being used and you, you can't tree shake it out anymore. Okay. So, what?
2: what so, if you have just one ng module, let's say you have a component library. And yeah. you have just one main, you know, ng-module for your awesome component library. So that way, if you, you know, import it, you just like ruin the whole thing, the whole tree shaking stuff. You cannot shake the tree anymore. It's static. Exactly. So yeah. um, so then what, what you say is that the recommendation is to divide it into like, and ng module per component
1: yeah for instance like the, the level of granularity really depends on your library you're creating but for instance if you a, a good example for that is the angular material project from the the, the yeah. feature project from the team and they more or less have like one module per component because then you can like say okay i need the tooltips i need the, the buttons i need uh, maybe the, the input forms or the, the material input forms and so you you pull in just those modules and just those will actually then get compiled in and the rest will be tree shaken out because you don't reference it from anywhere. So basically the basic recommendation is to create such secondary entry points, yeah. So all the types that you talked about before, like the ESM,
2: the UMD, the FESM, all that stuff will be created for each individual and like sub-NG model or like uh, individual component NG model?
1: Or, yeah, they will be, yeah. There will be compiled basically. You have different kind of folders where your ESM files live inside there, and you you then basically reference them in. So in, depending on what you're going to reference inside your application, it's going to pull that out from there.
2: I see. So you'll have like I don't know, like the main ng module if you want all of it, like I don't know an Angular Material or something like that, uh, or just like the I don't know the drop-down component ng module. Which then you have all the versions with UMD and Phasm and ESM and all that stuff for like different consumers, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay, for each one, like for the dropdown, for the everything. So you have like
1: tons of files in the end, right, in your library. Yeah, the output of for the secondary entry points really creates that dedicated files for those. Yeah. Cool.
0: So how do you go about creating a package like this? Then are there tools out there, or do you build it up yourself?
1: Well, you can you can do both. Like for instance, at NGB at the talk at that time, I I really did it myself. But uh, the reason there was mostly to to show people what's behind. So to really uh, take the Angular package format and show them step by step. Like if right. you would like to do it yourself, you basically take. Uh, the NGC compiler, which is, comes already built in with Angular, then you take like Rollup, you configure it, you take Uglify to create UMD packages, and you could actually do it step-by-step step yourself. And it's mm-hmm. actually not that complicated once you have the setup. But I would say nowadays it's not the recommended approach. So unless you really need something very custom, very um, specific for your use case, you could go that way, but it's not recommended. Because now... There are tools, for instance, like ng-packager. ng-packager is a library created by David Herges, I guess. And that basically takes away most of the stuff. Like it's, mm. it, it basically implements that Angular package format and goes a lot with convention. So you actually have various, a very small uh, configuration part, which you can put, for instance, in your package.json. And then you just point the ng-packager there. You give it an entry point file which basically exports it, which is a normal TypeScript module, actually, like an script module if you want. And then it follows basically the import statements from there and does the whole packaging for you. And that's really simple. Like to set up ng is uh, a matter of a couple of minutes, and, and it works. Is that using the CLI or not using the CLI? Uh, both ways, actually. Because the CLI support is uh, it's just you know, since a couple of weeks or months, like with the version 6 uh, of the Angular CLI, we now have built-in support for Angular libraries. But under the hood, basically the Angular CLI just creates the ng package configuration for, your, for you. So it, it relies, as of now, for instance, on ng-packager. There could be other tools in the future, like you could plug in other uh, build tools for libraries if others come out which are maybe better or more optimal, implement more optimal scenarios, uh, then other tools could come in. But for now, it's ng-packager. And the, the Angular CLI gives you a little bit more in a sense that it does some scaffolding already with the uh, schematics. So it creates a nice folder structure and lays out everything in place so that you can straight consume your library.
0: So how do you test it? Let's say you set up an Angular library. How do you test it? Or, you know, especially with TDD, we did an episode on that.
1: Yeah. Well, if you use uh, the Angular CLI, for instance, you have the test setup up already in place. That's that's the main advantage because when you scaffold a new Angular CLI project, you have already, for instance, Karma set up for you with the configuration files and everything. So you can just drop in a spec file inside your library project and then uh, straight run it from there. So that works pretty well. What is not yet supported in a very optimal case is like a demo project because what you usually want if you create a library, you want also a demo project not only for showcasing it if it's an open source project, for instance, for like people using it, but also while you're developer, you want to have usually also some visual feedback, especially for UI libraries, whether it works properly, whether the styling works and applies and that kind of stuff. And so that needs some wiring, like it wiring up and set up. Because with Angular 6, who is the CLI version six, it got a bit easier. However, the Angular CLI still compiles first the library into that package format which you mentioned before. And then you can consume it from your application, right from that dist folder and and test it.
0: Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full-stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com.
2: What's, what's um, like from your experience, a recommended way to um to work with it on a day-to-day basis with the rest of the project like you know um you have a different I, I know you have different options right you can um work with it like v- in a versioned way right you take like mm-hmm. a specific npm version of that library or you can npm link and work straight with the sources or something like that um, what what's like maybe a few
1: use cases and what's the recommended
2: way from your perspective yeah
1: yeah well i personally like also my day-to-day basis we actually don't use that much libraries like we have a few but usually we try to go more in that mono repo scenario like we have a couple of products and we have a folder structure with applications and libraries And those libraries, however, are not really compiled in those package formats and then for making it ready basically to publish to NPM. But we consume it straight from our applications, which are also residing inside that same monorepository. And so that is like a good approach if you can work with that. Like there are limitations, for instance, if, you, if you're really a distributed team or if you have really separated departments within your organization and you have like restrictions on who can see whose who's code and, and that kind of scenario, it may get hard. But if you can work with a monorepo scenario, it has really a lot of advantages because like sharing code there is just placing a file somewhere and then referencing it just as you would do normally. And everything then happens at compile time. Like you don't really create a library, but you have your application which then compiles in the files which comes simply from another folder. I usually recommend to, however, anyway respect like the format of libraries, like the ones we discussed before, like don't have one kitchen sink module, but rather split them up and consume them individually as you need them in your lips and your applications. Uh, but from the working perspective, that's a really, really convenient way of sharing code. And if you cannot do that, then you have the option of either create one Git repository per library. Or you could also work like you have this, this monorepo and you publish the, the, the Angular libraries out of there to a, a local NPM repository. So that could be like, okay, you have a couple of applications where you can directly consume those libraries where the monorepo works. And then you have some other applications where you, don't, can, you, where you cannot really put them into your monorepo And so there, in those use cases, you could simply compile them out into an npm publishable format with NGPackage package again, but from your monorepo and then share it on some internal repository or also even open source maybe. Awesome. Thanks.
0: Are there certain types of functionality for an Angular app that don't work well in this kind of code sharing setup with Angular libraries?
1: Like functionality? Well, what what do you think of?
0: I was just thinking, you know, maybe there are certain kinds of services that you may not want to try and share between apps or, uh, well, I don't know, I, I, I'm just yeah. kind of brainstorming and seeing, you know, when wouldn't I want to use this?
1: What do you, What is uh, really convenient, like we, for instance, use uh, the Norval NX workspace, which is basically a kind of schematics library built on top of the Angular CLI. And what they did recently, because you actually may have that use case you mentioned or you probably think of where you say, okay, that kind of library should only be consumed by others in certain kind of scenarios. Like um, some basic core library should never have dependence on other libraries, for instance. Mm-hmm. And they basically added some kind of linting rules, but more advanced ones where you can specify, w- w- you can basically give tags to those libraries and say a tag of like base lib can never depend on another lib of like data access lib. And so in that way, you can restrict really which library is used in which context. But otherwise, I cannot think of scenarios where you wouldn't want to use it in regarding like with, um, look by looking at like functionalities, but more like if you have problems, like how many people can access that monorepo, like more like structural problems, organizational kind of problems, in my opinion. What you need to be good at, however, that that's, that's for sure is you have to be very good at Git, like have a clean Git history, get, get clean Git messages. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a monorepo, you somehow shift the problem from like distributing different kind of versions of libraries, maintaining them to handling different kind of branches, trying to integrate very often, very fast into master and so on. So that might right. be challenges that, that come up in a monorepo. Coolness.
2: so if people probably like listening to to this episode and they're trying to figure out whether they should um you know start and use it in their own projects right um what is a good sign for them to say well we might want to extract this into into a libraries. So you mentioned maybe if you have like different teams working on, you know, um, with some shared infrastructure or something like that. Other
1: other use cases like this? Well, I identify mostly like if you have Y kind of libraries, like Y libraries, where you have a, a, like usually big organizations have a common style guide, like all applications or product should look a certain way. So, that way, for instance, creating a shared component library can help enforce those style guides. Like, you can have already ready to use components for the usual calendar picker and pop ups and the kind of stuff, which already apply styles mm-hmm. and some reusable logic. So, that's for sure a use case. But also, mm-hmm. if you have like standardized rest endpoints, then also we have, for instance, in our company, libraries which just are logic basically they abstract the way the communication with your backend, you, they do already some pre-deserialization or serialization of how parameters are handled and sent to your backend and so on. But that really works if you have the standardized part also on the backend side. Like if you say, okay, we have some kind of standards established throughout our organization, our REST API is usually answered in this way. Our errors are being returned in that way. So you can already have some libraries and also for instance, Angular interceptors already in those libraries built in. So once you kick your library into your application, it already ha- hooks up the logging and error handling just as you do throughout your, all your applications. So, so I usually see those two pieces for reusability. So more, more the UI part and more the logic part where you reuse basically data access stuff for logging or error handling. Also maybe shared models, like in a sense, data structures, which you have throughout different kinds of applications which you want to reuse. However, on those parts, I'm usually a bit more... um, That's more of a warning sign usually because I wouldn't go too much in the direction of sharing models across applications because they usually are very application-specific and they tend to change. So that's something one has to to be very off.
0: Yeah. Well, and my reaction to that was, well, what if I have like an admin internal app and then a public-facing app? But even then... The concerns are different enough to where you may still want separate model files and yeah. then if there is some base level of functionality you need to share maybe you just use that as a basis and then you build on top of that for everything else but even that can get a little bit hairy so it it really does depend on your use case there
1: exactly like a good recommendation they have for instance on the normal nx uh, block and repository also is they create libraries because they have already set up in place, they create libraries for the whole logic of your application. So in your application, actually, in an application folder, you just create, you you assemble different kind of libraries to your application. But the library for those applications basically can be very specific. Like you may never use them inside another application, but it's already ready in case you want or you have to, you have it already there to be shared, basically. But that's one recommendation, for instance, they give there, which can work out quite well also for some people. Makes sense to me. So I know what is your pick, Yuri.
2: It's probably Narwhal extensions, right? Yeah, if you, are,
1: yeah if you yeah, if you're go into the monorepo scenario, definitely. You should definitely check it out. Like the Angular CLI is currently moving into that direction, but they're not yet there, obviously, because they target the more generic case, like you have to satisfy all the different kinds of use cases where novel already goes very strongly in that monorepo kind of scenario. So they have the utilities, things built around that monorepo use case. But if, you, if that's something you, you can use in your application and if you want to have that kind of quick code sharing without having to deploy libraries and that kind of stuff, then it's definitely worth a try.
2: And it doesn't mean that
1: you must use NGRX, right? You can use it regardless. Yeah, definitely. So the the NGRX part, they have something about that as well. But it's just like an opt-in library, which you include or don't include, depending on whether you use it or not. Nice. Okay.
0: All right, let's do picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients it's easy to use it works anywhere available from any device uh, on the desktop iphone ipad android and all of your data is backed up and secure and it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid you'll be tracking time logging expenses and invoicing your clients in no time you can also save time billing freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love and enter dev chat in the how did you hear about us section. Joe, do you have some picks for us?
2: Joe is gone.
0: Joe's going to pick his mute button.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shy, do you have some picks for us? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I pick Joe. No, I pick um, Plus. I pick, um, I, I'm reading this awesome, awesome book, um you can call it a business slash product slash entrepreneurship book called jobs to be done uh oh by the way no this is the um, this is the the theory name but the book the actual book name is competing against luck the story of innovation and customer choice which is an awesome awesome uh book it's kinda um, reminds a little bit, it's, it's a complementary method to the lean startup method, um, which is like, you know, testing your assumptions and, and stuff like that. So this is another way to look at the problem, uh, not in a more concise way, not like a generic, uh, here is the problem that the customer has. Um, so that's, that's one recommendation and. I had another one, but I completely forgot about it. I need to write okay. those. Uh, but yeah, so this is uh, and um, oh okay, I, I can I can plug my my blog post. So I wrote a blog post uh, about uh, uh, RxJS uh, switch map. So it's a continuation to a talk me Pete Bacon Darwin and Mike Brocky gave it at uh, NGConf. Uh, on SwitchMap so I wrote a f- um, follow like a continuation blog <laughs> to blog post about like um, other operators like concat map and merge map and so if you ever struggled with those uh, operators and to understand what the hell are they're doing um, so check out the that blog post. You're pretty obsessed so, with switch map. <laughs> Um yeah, I used to like have a thing for it, huh? <laughs> yeah. I used to kick myself <laughs> a lot, like for not remembering what is is it doing. But uh now I cannot forget about it. i, I dream about it. So,
0: uh, <laughs> so Do you yeah. drunk dial switch map in the middle of the night.
2: Yeah. <laughs> are, switch
0: map's house to see if it's what, home. <laughs> exactly.
2: What are you up to, Switch map? ah, just switching. <laughs> and mapping. Mapping. Trying to take a map. Yeah. Okay. So um that's those are my picks.
0: Awesome. Joe, what are your picks? All right. So I would be remiss if I did not self do give myself a little plug here. I just released, plus I just released my new course unit testing in Angular. Woohoo! Yep, that Yay. is out you're interested in all unit testing go check it out over on Pluralsight.com. and my other pick i want <clears throat> to throw in here is prettier i just uh, put together prettier and installed it run right on VS code for uh, uh, the ngdoc project that i work on and really happy with it it's kind of weird it's a little bit new not really was never never thought i'd be a fan of having somebody automatically reformat my code but So far, I'm liking it. So I know it's not nearly as popular in the Angular world as it is in other worlds, but I'm really enjoying it. So prettier. It's my other pick. Nice. Yeah, VS Code is super nice. And yeah, all those plugins are really convenient if you have a utility you like. Um, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. Um, These are kind of more on the uh, business end of things as well. Um, One of them is one that I just found. And it's a system that I use to share contact information with my team so they can reach out to awesome guests like Yuri um, and and stuff like that. And it is full contact. You can find it at fullcontact.com. It's not super cheap, but it works pretty well. I've been through all kinds of CRM uh, situations and stuff. And Anyway, that's the one that I've kind of settled on, at least for the moment, as far as sharing contact info. Um, another one that I want to pick, um, and this is something that I just found. So I was doing some stuff on Google calendar and I use Google apps or G suite for my email, Chuck at devchat.tv. And while I was working on the calendar, I found, uh, basically some functionality saying that I could open up time on my Google calendar to set appointments. And I've been paying a bunch of money to have schedule once do that kind of thing for me and so since it's built into google calendar i'm looking at switching that and making that a ton easier so um and cheaper since i'm already paying for the functionality so that kind of got me excited so i'm I'm gonna pick that too uh yuri do you have some picks for us
1: yep so the first one is related to the show, which is ngx-tabs-lib demo, which is a GitHub repository on my own uh, account, uh, which is mostly if you're not sure which kind of format you need, like do you need the standalone ng-packager kind of publishing or the more monorepo style or the Angular CLI style, then I create different kind of branches there where you can basically clone it and experiment around with it. still have to update it to Angular 6 actually, but Otherwise, it should be a great point to start and, and explore different kind of versions of how you could develop and publish your library. And then another one is ngx-formly, which is the library I've been using or started using recently, which is for dynamically generating forms in Angular. It's the, basically the successor of the ng-formly project, which I guess was started by Kenzie Dots, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. And it's actually pretty powerful and the maintainer is really, really good. Like he kicks out new features on a daily basis. So definitely check that out if if you're interested in dynamic forms. And yeah, and finally, shameless self-promotion plug. If you're interested in Angular and getting started with Angular, I have also a couple of courses on AgCAD and I'm about to kick out some others. So check them out and let me know if you like them.
0: Very Cool. Um if people want to find you online, um wh- wh- where do they find the stuff that you're working on these days? Is it all on GitHub? Do you tweet about it? Maybe you blog about it?
1: Yeah, it's mostly on mostly on my Twitter account, which is J U R I S T R. And I have the same kind of website like J U S I S T R.com where I have the website and blog where I publish mostly about frontend recently
2: and on the dark web
1: and on the dark, dark web. Web.
0: all right cool well uh i think that's everything so let's go ahead and wrap this one up thanks for coming yuri thanks for having me yeah thanks yuri all right we'll wrap this thanks, one up i have more cool stuff next week Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Yeah. bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn